morning. Today's scripture reading is from Paul's letter to the Romans, the 15th chapter to the 7th to the 13th verse. The reading is also in your bulletin. If you are able, please stand for the reading. Accept one another, then just as Christ accepts you, in order to make praise to God for for I... For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles, I will sing the praise the praises of your name. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his hope. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nation in him. The Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you as you trust him trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the holy spirit this is the word of the lord thank you lord oh uh, good morning good morning um i'm thankful uh, for this opportunity um this morning uh, I truly, when Pastor Meeks asked me, uh, wanted to, to look at this not as uh, a homework assignment or something I had to do, but as an opportunity. Um, and that really helped me uh, through this process and really truly looking at it as an opportunity to serve, to serve God. Um, and that uh, lifted a lot of weight off and that it's not to me trying to get something done. Um, I, I don't know how you do this <laughs> every week. Um, <laughs> I really don't. Um, uh, we had a meeting with St. John's uh, Lutheran, their, their advisory council this week, and I thought I was prepared, I'm ready, but a young man said something uh, when he was speaking um, that even influenced kind of what I'm going to talk about today. So um, you just kind of never know how God works and where he kind of puts things. Um, and then yesterday, uh, I was kind of typing everything up. I thought I'm ready, I'm like, oh, can let me just type this up and I'll go on about my day. Ended up, you know, adding some more changing, um, but it, it's, it's good. Um, God really does um, put you in the right position. Um, so I guess I should start off by saying the pastor wanted to make sure that, you know, this is supposed to be the sermon. Um, so I don't know where I insert the, I'm, I'm not going to hold you guys too long. Keep that. So I, I don't know if I should start off um, with that. I just let you know right now, I'm not going to hold you too long. Nobody say take your time. I don't, I don't know. We don't need that. Don't, 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 don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> um, so I am opening uh, a series of talks. Uh, the next four Sundays about Advent. Uh, we're not quite in, into Advent yet, but I'll speak about it as, um, as we are. And Advent is, is just the first season of the Christian church year leading up to Christmas. Um, and including, like I said, the four uh, preceding Sundays. And Advent means uh, it's the coming or, or visit. It's an anticipation uh, or an arrival. Uh, it's the beginning of a new spiritual journey. 
Uh, it's a time of reflection, expectation, um, looking back on the birth of Jesus, but also looking forward uh, to his return. Uh, and so the first week of Advent is hope, which is my focus today. And for hope, it's uh, the expectation of something more or the anticipation that something new is about to happen, especially when you're talking about adults and hope. We're talking about something greater, something bigger. Um, so what Advent does is it kind of slows us down, um, gives us time to reflect and uh, renew our hope, okay, to renew our hope. And so my question to you this morning is, what happens to your hope? What happens to your hope, okay? And so we'll look at uh, hope in three stages of your life. Uh, I'll kinda, I just broke it up. Stage one uh, was when you were a child. Uh, you're just starting off in school up until around fifth or sixth grade. Um, the next stage, stage two, is kind of those middle high school years, uh, maybe even on into college. And then stage three is kind of your adult, uh, young adults, middle age, your grown folks, seniors, just your adult life, okay? So in stage one, what happens to your hope? Uh, Kids are, are curious, they want to please. Um, they see the best in everyone, uh, and they generally enjoy school, they love to learn, and they kind of soak up everything around them. Uh, but even at an early age, uh, you can start to see that um, the world kind of begins to chip away um, at their hope. Um, sometimes our decisions, think about yourselves now, sometimes our de decisions are influenced based on an experience that we had uh, as a child. Um, so we're gonna take a look um, Nate, Joe, we're going to look at a clip in just a moment uh, of a young man, uh, and you can start to see, you'll see in this clip, uh, you can slowly see hope leaving his uh, eyes, you'll, you'll, you'll see, and this is something that's kind of near and dear to me, something that I experienced um, when I was a child, so let's go ahead. That brings back a lot of painful memories. Um, as some of you know, my mom is a, a retired high school principal, and there was many a night I was sitting at the dining room table <laughs> doing homework. She had these flip-flops, and she used to take one off, pop, pop, and that, the, the stress, we know now, we know now the stress in your brain doesn't help you make good decisions. Um, so that young man was struggling to make a good decision and, and to answer that question. Um, so that is a very real-life childhood experience of mine. It, as we can see, that young man's hope was already shaken. Um, he has no hope in math. Learning isn't fun anymore, right? It's already starting to happen. Uh, stage two, in middle of high school and on into college, uh, we're still very hopeful. And in college, you remember you're very idealistic. Um, you're ready to change, uh, change the world. Uh, but we also start to see the barriers and limitations that are, are placed on you. 
um, they start to see in this age um, the world for what it is. And in the teenage years, it may be a little more pushback um, and a sense of I know what I'm doing, but that's okay because you're ready to you know, take on the world. Um, you're, run, you're young, you think you can do anything, and you still have, you still have hope. Okay. And then as you get to uh, become an adult, um, this is when you're paying your bills, you gotta go to work, you gotta deal with your coworkers, your friends, your family, and, and just life, everything that life has to offer. And through these experiences, you do gain some clarity um, as an adult, which helps make your decision making, but it can be pretty challenging as an adult when you don't kind of know how the sausage is made, as Pastor says, you kind of peek behind the curtain. Um, it's kind of hard at times to remain as hopeful as you were maybe when you're, when you're a little kid. Um, so what happens to your hope? Uh, if we look at Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so to understand this verse, which is really, um, this is like a prayer that's kind of capping off this section of Romans 15, uh, the first uh, 12 verses, um, to kind of take a look back, okay? So we're going to look back and then come back, uh, come back to verse 13. And I'm going to look at the message version of Romans 15, 1 and 2. So looking at the message version of Romans 15, 1 and 2. And it reads, those of us who are strong and able in faith need to step in and lend a hand to those who falter and not just to do what is most convenient for us. Strength is for service, not status. Each one of us needs to look after the good of the people around us, asking ourselves, how can I help? And so as we look at these first couple of verses, Paul is telling us we're not looking out for ourselves, but rather we should be looking out for one another. Um, he's telling us to take your eyes off yourself and build up others around you. Um, find the joy in hoping others have success. It's almost like uh, if you have your friend, your spouse, somebody close to you, if they do something really well, you should be just as excited, more excited for them um, than they are, okay? We're, we're building up those around us. As we continue um, to Romans 15, 3 through 6 in the message version, it sa states uh, that's exactly what Jesus did. He didn't make it easy for himself by avoiding people's troubles, but waited right in and helped out. I took on the troubles of the troubled, is the way the scripture puts it. Even if it was written in scripture long ago, you can be sure it's written for us. God wants the combination of a steady, constant calling and warm personal counsel in, in scripture to come to characterize us, keeping us alert for whatever he will do next. May our dependability, steady and warmly personal to God develop maturity in you so that you can get along with each other as well as Jesus gets along with us. Excuse me, as Jesus gets along with us all. Then we'll be a choir, our, not our voices only, but our very lives singing in harmony and a stunning anthem to God and Father of our Master Jesus. And as we look at verses three through six, Paul is simply saying, follow the example of Jesus, okay? To come together, to unify. And he wants to make something greater. Um, there's a word that we use in my school, uh, it's called synergy. And the idea of synergy, and I know we just talked about math, is one plus one equals three. Well, how does one plus one equals three? Uh, it's taking what I can do, and I'm gonna take what you can do, and together, it's gonna be more than two, it's gonna be something greater. So it's, sometimes we often compromise, and when you compromise, you're having to give, it, give up a little bit of what you wanted. And the idea of synergy, the idea of what, what we're talking about here is what God wants us to do is not to compromise, it's to give up something of ourselves, 
but to take the best of what I have, the best of what you have, and it's going to be even greater. It's going to be beyond something that we can even do. And so that's what we're looking at when we're talking about synergy. Um, and we want to make sure that it's more than us. Um, and then finally, looking on to uh, 7 through 12, the message version. So reach out and welcome one another to God's glory. Jesus did it. Now you do it. Jesus, staying true to God's purposes, reached out in a special way to the Jewish insiders so that the old ancestral promise would come true for them. As a result, the non-Jewish outsiders have been able to experience mercy and to show appreciation to God. Just think of all the scriptures that will come true in what we do. For instance, then I'll join outsiders in a hymn singing. I'll sing to your name. And this one, outsiders and insiders rejoice together. And again, people of all nations celebrate God. All colors and races give hearty praise. In Isaiah's word, there's a root of our ancestor, Jesus breaking through the earth and growing a tree tall, tall enough for everyone everywhere to see and take hope. So as we look at 7 through 12, Paul is, t again, he's telling us, come together. At, this, at the time, um, there was a divide amongst Jews and Gentiles, okay? And think about the divisions that you see in your lives now. Think about the divisions that are in our world. Um, Paul is saying not to let the disputes divide us. Um, rather, receive one another as Christ has done for us. Even through our faults, he still welcomes us. Again, even through our faults, he still welcomes us. I'm getting ready this week, and I'm struggling. Things are, I, I'm working on this, but then things are happening. It was just like, God, I'm supposed to be doing this good thing for church, and here I am. There's temptations, all these other things that I'm still uh, having a hard time with. But, but again, what does God do? And again, it says he still receives us. So even as I stand up before you, not perfect, still trying to find my way, God is still receiving me. Um, through my transgression, so if he can do that for me, how can I not extend that to my neighbor? How can you not extend that to your neighbor? I think at the bare minimum, if all we can have to do is just look at what Jesus has done for us, and I can do that for someone else. Yeah. Let's start there. That's, that's it. Can we start there? Um, and that leads to verse 13, which is kind of the, that ending prayer of this first section. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust him, so that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, God wants us to come together, to unify, but we only can come together if we have hope. Uh, we can't have an expectation of something greater, of something more, if we don't have hope. Um, hope requires us to come together. Hope is unity. Um, think about um, a few of these examples. Do you have hope for your marriage? Do you have hope for your kids? Do you have hope for the people you interact with in your daily life? Do you have hope for City Church? Uh, do you have hope for your favorite sports team? And, and think about it. sports sometimes, football, that could be our religion, right? And so what happens when you stop believing in your, in your favorite team? Fans get angry, they get upset, um, they're frustrated, but, but there's always next year, right? There's always next year. But then what happens is that frustration kind of turns into apathy, right? Um, you stop going to games, you stop watching, you start, stop spending your money on the team. So what does the team do? What do the owners do? They sell you more hope. All right, we're going to fire the coach. We're going to fire the general manager. Things are going to get better. Hope, that hope is that powerful, right? They, they're going to keep selling you on that. Um, things will get better, but when? Um, they need you to believe. 
okay? It's okay if you're angry, if you're mad at the team. It's okay if you're frustrated, upset, because you still care, right? And they could, again, they could sell you some more hope. Uh, it it kind of goes in that cycle, right? But, but they don't want you to stop caring. Um, as believers, we know what God has promised, and we know that we believe in that salvation. And we know that God's hope is a little bit different. It's powered by, again, the Holy Spirit. He's the owner of our team, and the hope that he provides is real. So again, I ask, do you have hope for your marriage? You're a team, you're united as one, but what happens when one becomes frustrated, a little upset, and over time, that anger finally kind of sets in, that person doesn't care anymore. What happens when your spouse doesn't care? What does your relationship look like if you have no hope? Again, do you have hope for City Church? Are you working in harmony with those around you to build City Church up? To strengthen those who need support? Doing, as Paul reminded us, and following the example of Jesus, coming together to make City Church better? Um, what would service look like right now if we didn't have hope? Would I be here? Would you be here? Uh, would we be able to serve others with no hope? Um, do you have hope for yourself? Again, if you believe in God's promise, we're all believers, you believe in God's promise, do you believe in what he can do? And if you believe in what he can do, how can you not have hope? Again, if you believe in God's promise, believe in that salvation, if you believe in him, how can you not have hope? It doesn't mean that we don't get discouraged. Um, My light sometimes shines a little dim, uh, but I bounce back and that light still shines, our hope still remains. Um, we should be that light that, that for hope for those who are discouraged and hopeless. Um, that's why unity and coming together is so important. Um, that's why Paul is telling us not to let disputes divide us. Think about the times, whether it's in church, out of church, your marriage, your friends. How many times has dispute divided you? Yeah. What happens when that division sets in? What happens to that relationship? Um, how, when's the last time maybe you talked to somebody that you had a dispute about? And then that day turns to weeks, and weeks turns to months, and months turns to years. Again, Paul is to do not let that happen, and you lose hope. Um, If you have no hope, again, things fall apart. Things will fracture. Things will break. If you think about, again, kids, have you seen a child with no hope? Have you ever seen any kids with no hope? It's sad. Fortunately, I work with a lot of kids, and um, they're full of wonder. They're full of joy. But when you see a kid who doesn't have any hope, they don't know about tomorrow. They don't care about tomorrow. That's dangerous. It's dangerous for them. It's dangerous for us. What are, what are we going to do? They, they don't have any hope. Um, you think about a teenager. Uh, think about adults. Have you seen adults with no hope? Adults who don't know where to go, which way to go. Um, they have nothing to look forward to. They have nothing to do. You're just hopeless. Think about what that looks like. Again, it's scary. It's dangerous. Um, imagine living your life without hope. Imagine living your life without hope. Day to day, you're just kind of going through the motions. What's the point? Well, why are you here? There's no hope. How can you make decisions? How can you raise your family? How can you be a good husband, a good friend, a good father, brother, son, if you don't have any hope? Um, often when people feel hopeless, I feel like it also goes to, they feel abandoned, okay? 
Kind of like that hopelessness and abandonment go together. And we should be on the other end, where we should be hopeful and we should be uh, united. See, and hope and unity, again, go together, as Paul keeps telling us, but then we look at the hopeless and they're left alone, they're isolated. So today, as we begin Advent, or next week, Advent, I ask you to renew your hope. Renew your hope in yourself, in your family, your friends, in coworkers, and all of God's people. Again, if you don't have hope, that's when things start to fracture and break apart. Um, and it's important to remember when I talk about hope, our hope, we want to renew it. It's power, again, it's powered by the Holy Spirit. Um, I think if I go back to kind of my sports analogy, God, he has, a, he gave us a game plan. So if we're prepared, he's telling us what we need to do. Um, he's called up this design, this wonderful pass play, and everything's set up, but then right before that play starts, all of a sudden I decide I'm going to run the ball. And what happens now? How did that work out for you? He was he's, he's following this pass play down the sidelines for a touchdown. You decided, no, I see this. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to run the ball. We don't want to follow his game plan. Sometimes we want to freestyle. I'm going to follow my own game plan. And I struggle with that even myself this week. I was like, no, what if I just, no, that's not what I'm supposed to do. Do what you're supposed to do. Okay, do what you're supposed to do. Um, and again, something I ask my kids, I ask my daughter when something happens, how did that work out for you? Yeah. How did that work out for you? Okay. Um, so if we think back to the video clip earlier, and that was obviously kind of a humorous scene. The kid was struggling with his multiplication. But you can see the discouragement, the kind of frustration setting in, right? And that kid was losing hope fast. Uh, he's like, I, I, it, it wasn't getting better. And so if you think uh, to the times when you've been in that situation, maybe you've seen others in that situation, um, people get frozen, they get stuck, they're unsure. How did you, how did you respond? What did you do? How did you help? Uh, did you do as Paul asked by taking your eyes off yourself to build up that other person? Were you able to provide some hope, some godly hope, not the hope that next year is going to be better. No, that godly hope that I know next year is going to be better, the year after that's going to be better. I know that because I believe in what God is, his promise. So I'm not worried about next year. Everything's already settled. It's done. So, so my hope, again, is powered by the Holy Spirit. So I don't need to worry about, oh, it's going to work out. No, I know it's going to work out. So again, when you see somebody in that situation, how do you respond? What have you done? Are you providing hope? Are you providing hope to your kids? Are you providing hope to your wife? Are you providing hope to those in city church so we can continue to grow and not fracture and not break apart? So finally, as I end, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh, finally, I, I just want to leave you with this. Okay, goodbye, Pastor. <laughs> uh -uh. <laughs> I just want to leave you with this. Nine times five is 45. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you.